today on Grace to the Hearers with Pastor Eric Kluth. You can't disregard the things that you don't like because maybe those things that you don't like are the things that God wants to help you in and help to purify you, to make you more into his image. So either you believe in what you know of Jesus or you don't. Did you guys catch that? Either you believe in what you know of Jesus or you don't. Because I say believe in what you know of Jesus because here's the fact. We're still learning about Jesus. We can't pick and choose our Jesus. Pastor Eric today tells us that though there are parts of the Bible we'd rather not deal with, every part of it and every part of our Savior is relevant to our lives. Jesus wants to work on us, growing us into better people. But that will more than likely involve some things that are a bit uncomfortable. Well, let's join Pastor Eric for part one of his message entitled, 100% Pure Jesus. Turn to John chapter 4. We're going to be in verses 43 through 54 as we conclude the chapter. I titled the message this morning, 100% Pure Jesus. 100% Pure Jesus. When I think of 100% pure, I think of juice. You know, apple juice, there's different variations of apple juice. There's the ones that look very, very pretty, golden. You know, you're like, ooh, man. But then you read the label and it says contains only 5% juice or something like that. And you're like, oh, I don't really want that. But then you have the one over here that's real dark and real, you can't even see through it. And you're like, man, that's thick. But it's 100% apple juice. You know, the skin, the seeds, everything just mixed in there. There's nothing pulled out of it. It's all full of the nutrients that the juice needs to have. But without it, you know, what is it? It's processed. And sometimes we can process Jesus. We can pull things out of him. But we need 100% of Jesus. And so today as we conclude chapter 4, Jesus will be speaking to the people of... the. Galilee. And so uh, I've divided this text into two sections. The first section, verses 43 through 45, I titled the section Jesus Filter. And then the second section, verses 46 through 54, I titled it Faith, Small, and Great Welcome. And that's my heart's desire is that we would have that heart of wanting 100% pure Jesus in our daily lives. And that we wouldn't filter him. So let's get into our first section, verses 43 through 45. And it says this, Now after the two days he departed from there and he went to Galilee. For Jesus himself testified that a prophet has no honor in his own country. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans received him, having seen all the things he did in Jerusalem at the feast. For they also had gone to the feast. Some observations that we see within these three verses are this. Jesus has now left Samaria. Remember, he was been in Samaria for a couple days, ministering to the woman at the well. Then he went into the city to minister to the people of Samaria. Now he is headed to Galilee. And he was going to Galilee because he was not welcome in his own country, in Judea. Okay, Judea didn't want him. They didn't receive him. And so therefore he went to Galilee. And our text tells us that Jesus himself says that he wasn't welcome in verse 44 when he says that a prophet has no honor in his own country. Guys, the people of Judea rejected Jesus. But then we see the people of Galilee receive Jesus. They saw what Jesus did in Jerusalem at the feast. 
Well, what is the interpretation of this? What does that mean? We see the observations. Well, at this time, you guys, the land of Israel was split up. There was the country of Galilee and the country of Judea. And Jesus was from Judea, born in Bethlehem, raised in Nazareth. Okay? And Jesus presented his message to his own countrymen. He, in fact, he went to the synagogues. He presented the gospel, the kingdom of God. But in Matthew chapter 13, you guys, verses 54 through 57, we are given the details of the rejection of the people in Judea. They were like, who is this man? Where did he get his wisdom? Isn't this the carpenter's son? Where did he get this wisdom from? Why is he in the synagogues teaching us? They were blown away by Jesus. But then comes verse 57 of Matthew 13, which says this, So they were offended at him. They were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country and in his own house. Even his brothers and his sisters were against him. They rejected him. Okay? Think about that. Maybe you've been rejected by your family. You know how that feels. Well, Christ can relate to you in that area. Jesus was not wanted. And it's rough not being wanted, isn't it? It's difficult. But Jesus, that didn't stop him. He kept going. The people of Judea rejected him. And the result of the rejection was this. In verse 58 of Matthew, chapter 13 says, Now he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. God was there. Jesus was there. God in the flesh was before them, wanting to love on them, to do mighty things. But their rejection, their unbelief of who he was, wouldn't allow him to do these things. And so he didn't do these things. Not many of them, at least, as it says in the Word. Because Jesus is not going to force himself onto man. He's not going to force you to come to him and to receive his message. He doesn't make you do anything. He wants you to because he loves you and he cherishes you, but he doesn't force himself upon you. He presented the truth and they had a decision to make. Believe or not to believe. And the people of Judea chose not to believe. And Jesus knew that there would be a rejection to his message, even not only in Judea, but all throughout his ministry in those three years, that there would be rejection to it. And so with his disciples, what did he do? He trained them to prepare them that their message of him would be rejected also. But what did he say to do in that time of rejection? Well, it says this in Luke 10 Verses 10 through 11, before Jesus sent out his disciples, he said, But whatever city you enter and they do not receive you, go out into its streets and say, The very dust of your city which clings to us we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God is come near you. What is Jesus saying? Well, he's saying this, If you come into an area and they don't receive you, they reject you, they reject the message of the kingdom of God, then say to them, we wipe even the dust of your city from our feet to show you we let you be to your fate. We let you be to your fate. We respect you in your decision, but we are going to dust off and move forward. But then also tell them, but know this, the kingdom of God is near. It's our duty to tell them in a loving way, you know what, you rejected it, fine. 
But I'm not going to let that stop me from continuing to proclaim the good news. And so I'm going to dust off myself, but know this, person. The kingdom of God is near. And leave them to the Lord and move on. And see, the application for us today is this. Many people today have the same heart of rejection towards Jesus Christ. Many people get offended even at his name. We live in the time of being offended. You say one thing, I'm offended. Brother Dale was telling me last night, we were talking about the flag, and he goes, people are probably going to be offended if you have the Christian flag out there, underneath the American flag. And I'm like, well, who cares? You know? And he agrees, but he's like, we live in a time of people getting their feelings hurt and being offended. You know what? God's word is offensive. It can be. It can rub us the wrong way, but it's there to correct us and to guide us into the truth. And so many people even get offended at the name of Jesus. Don't say Jesus around me. Why not? He's the Savior. He loves you. Well, I don't want to hear his name. That's good for you. That's bad for me. You know, there's a great movie, Do You Believe?, But there's a scene where there's a doctor who doesn't believe in Christ who says to his girlfriend, he goes, you know, I'm tired of doing all this medical things for these people, but when they wake up and when they get healed, the first thing that they do is say, praise Jesus. I'm the one who's doing it. You know, and he's like, whoa, buddy. You know, like, that's a strong statement there. But that's the thing is that people get offended of Jesus, and even they get offended of those who represent Jesus. And I believe there are some, even some Christians who get offended by Jesus. Some people who call themselves Christians, Christ followers, get offended by Jesus. Because they pick and choose what they want out of Jesus, right? They pick and choose what they want from him. They do this as they pick and choose. Oh, I like this about Jesus. I don't really like that, so I'm going to disregard that. And so, in a sense, what they're doing is they're fabricating a Jesus to fit their desires. I like this. I like this. And I'm going to fabricate a Jesus for me. Well, that's not how it rolls, you guys. Jesus is Jesus Christ. He is the Son of God. He is God. Now, how many of you have ever been to the store called Build-A-Bear? Build-A-Bear is a place where you go and you create your own teddy bear. A brilliant concept. It's overpriced. But what you do is you go in there and your kids are like, oh, we want a teddy bear. And you're like, you don't even play with teddy bears. But you get to build your own bear. Oh, okay. So then you see the stuffing going in the bear. Oh, you want this little outfit on him? Great. You put a hat on him. You can put roller skates on him, even if he's in a baseball suit. Whatever you want to do. You can build your own bear. That's great for a teddy bear. But you can't do that with Jesus Christ. You can't build a Jesus. That's not how it works. It's not build a Jesus. Because here's the thing. Jesus, you guys, is loving, merciful, gracious. But he also brings judgment, the word says. You know, he's perfect, he's holy, he's sinless, he's God. He tells us not to lust. He tells us not to steal. He tells us not to judge. And the thing is, is that we cannot, and I repeat, we cannot pick and choose what we like about Jesus and what we don't like about Jesus. I mean, I guess you can, but if you're following him, it doesn't work that way. 
Because you're saying, I've committed my heart to you, Jesus, who you are. You're God, and I submit to that. I accept that. You can't disregard the things that you don't like. Because maybe those things that you don't like are the things that God wants to help you in and help to purify you, to make you more into his image. So either you believe in what you know of Jesus or you don't. Did you guys catch that? Either you believe in what you know of Jesus or you don't. Because I say believe in what you know of Jesus because here's the fact. We're still learning about Jesus. You haven't figured it out. You're still learning. I'm still learning of Jesus. Every single day I'm learning more about him. And when I learn about him, though, the thing is, is that what do you do with what you've learned about Jesus? Do you believe it or you don't believe it? Because we live in a culture that bombards us with all this information. We have information flying at us all the time. And we have to discard, remove the things that are not important in our lives. Because if we didn't remove the things that were not important to us, we would have a brain overload. Because there's so much information coming to us daily. But the question is, is what are you filtering out and what are you letting in? What are you filtering out and what are you letting in? And the question can apply to Jesus Christ, to your knowledge of Jesus. Are there things you filter out about him? Filter, meaning that you block, that you stop so it doesn't come in. I think of a water purifier, right? Brita is the first manufacturer that can come to my mind. The junk in the water comes and you want it to settle at the top or wherever it goes in the filter so that the pure water can come in and so you can drink that. But we can put filters in place with our relationship in Jesus Christ. We can put those filters in there to stop the things that we don't want in our lives. But let me tell you, it's to your advantage that you let all of Jesus into your life. It's to your advantage because God will radically change your life. He will grow you to beyond your mind. He will do radical things that you didn't think could ever happen. Healings can take place spiritually and physically. Life can happen. Joy. All the wonderful things that come with Christ. So if you know Jesus' love and he brings judgment, do you believe and accept both or do you filter out the judgment part? Do you only like the love part? I only like the love part. I don't want to talk about the judging part. Well, if you filter any part of Jesus, you're not taking in the true Jesus. You're fabricating a Jesus. Palm Sunday, a day when Jesus entered into Jerusalem. He was entering into his last week before he went to the cross. And do you guys remember the scene? Many people are outside. He's riding on a colt. He's riding in, coming into Jerusalem. And they're out there with the palm branches. They're out there saying, Hosanna, right? Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Man, here he is. The people who were crying that out wanted Jesus to be king. He wanted him to set up his kingship, his kingdom, right then and there. To take them out of the hands of the Romans and to set up his kingdom. They were saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And guess what? When he didn't do that, what happened? They filtered it out. They said, well, he's not doing that, so I'm going to 
filter them out. And later that week, what did they say? But they shouted saying, crucify him, crucify him. Their tone switched pretty quick. They filtered Christ out. And this morning, the question to me and to you and to us as a church, do you have a Jesus filter on? Do you have a Jesus filter on? If you do, take it off and let all the richness and the goodness of Jesus Christ flow in you. He will radically change you. He will heal those wounds that have been hurt. He will set you free from the bondages. There's power in the name of Jesus Christ. And if we filter him, then we can't receive his goodness, his love, and his mercy because we are blocking him with our flesh. If you have a filter, this is the filter to take off. Let all of it come into you. Let all of him come in. Don't filter Jesus. Moving on now in verses 46 through 54, we see faith, small and great welcome. Who battles with faith sometimes? I do. I struggle with faith, you know. And we're going to see four or five different levels of faith here in this passage. Pretty amazing. Now that we know that we want 100% of Jesus, now let's see faith, great and small, how he welcomes it all. Verse 46, so Jesus came in again to Cana of Galilee where he made the water to wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. Verse 47, when he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son. For he was at the point of death. In verse 48, then Jesus said to him, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. And the nobleman said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, go your way, your son lives. So the man believed in the word that Jesus spoke to him and he went his way. Verse 51, and as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him saying, your son lives. Your son lives. Then he inquired of them the hour when he got better. And they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. Verse 53. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said to him, your son lives. And he himself believed and his whole household. Verse 54. This again is the second sign Jesus did when he had come out of Judea into Galilee. Wow. Some observations that we see is that Jesus is in Galilee and they have received him. Now he comes to a town called Cana. And remember, this is what we just read. is This is where he turned water into wine. Do you guys remember studying that a few weeks ago? He performed his first miracle there, turning the water into wine. Then we see, as he's in at Cana, we see a nobleman. Now, this means that he was a royal official. Not sure if it's a Jew, if he was a Jew or a Gentile or a Roman. We don't know. It doesn't tell us. But we know that he was a nobleman. He was a royal official. But we do know that this man came from Capernaum. Now, Capernaum was roughly 22 miles to Cana. So this man traveled 22 miles by foot to come and see Jesus. And he came because why? His son was dying. 
dying, if your child is dying, if your child is going through difficulties, you as a parent are going to do whatever it takes to help your child. And so this man travels 22 miles to Cana to Jesus. And the nobleman came, and when it says implored, it means that he begged Jesus. Jesus, please, just come and heal my son. And then Jesus responds, right? But he doesn't respond in like a rebuke. He responds and says, unless you people, so he's speaking in general to the people, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. But the man was so passionate about his son being healed, he says, sir, please just come and heal my son. Sir, please come heal my son. So Jesus tells him, go, your son lives. And the cool thing is is that we see in our text is that the nobleman believed. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he went his way. So he travels back. Then it says to us that his servants then met him out and says, your son lives. I mean, think of your heart at that time receiving the news that your son lives. You'd be rejoicing. But immediately, what did the man do? He went back and he says, when did it take place? What hour did it happen? The seventh hour. And the guy remembered, that's the hour that Jesus says your son lives. Praise God. And then from that, the man then believed and his whole household believed. So we see a man approaching Jesus during a crisis. A crisis. Jesus speaks to the heart of man saying, if there is no sign or wonder, you will not believe. He's speaking to man's heart because a lot of times, man, we need to see before we can believe. Unfortunately, that's just how we are. But the man hanging on his crisis faith in Jesus, Jesus tells the man, go, your son leaves. Then the man leaves, not with crisis faith, but with confident faith. He was confident that Jesus had healed him. He went his way. If he didn't have that confidence in Christ, he wouldn't have gone his way. But then he goes from confident faith to confirmed faith. Because the servants came and said, your son is healed. So now his faith has gone from crisis to confident to confirmed. And then it ends up to contagious faith. He goes and he shares with his household what Jesus Christ has done. So this man has his faith in Christ. He is seen and he believes and it has changed his life. Professional athletes, you guys, were not professional when they started as a child. There's much work that goes into athletics. To be in the pros, it's hard to make that. They weren't professional. They had to develop. They had to develop physically and mentally. But the one thing that they were during the journey was committed. They were committed to the calling of playing sports. They were committed. Sun up, sun down, whatever it took. Playing, hitting those baseballs over and over, hitting off the tee, whatever it took to get to their goal. And here's the thing. Many of us are in different stages in our walks, in our faith in Christ. Pastor Eric Kluth's message today gave us a greater insight into the incredible life that Jesus led in his time here on earth. His life and death are the basis of the Christian faith, and we hope you've been encouraged in your faith by what you heard today. 
As we close this edition of Grace to the Hearers, we'd like to tell you how you can receive a free copy of today's message. Simply send an email to info at gracetothehearers.com and be sure to include today's date and where we can send you a CD. You can also call us at 520-723-7047 to speak to us in person. That number again is 520-723-7047. Be sure to visit our website as well to discover more about Grace to the Hearers, Pastor Eric, and what our goal is with this ministry. We'd also like to ask that you consider partnering with us in prayer as we continue to expand this ministry. Grace to the Hearers and other ministries like it are valuable tools that God is using to further His kingdom on earth. And we feel that God is calling us to reach more and more people with this broadcast. Would you join us in praying for this ministry and the people who are hearing Pastor Eric's messages? We are incredibly blessed to be able to share God's Word with you already. And we would be honored to have you interceding for us as well. From all of us on the broadcasting team, we want to say thank you for listening today. Join us again as we continue our deeper look at the book of John, next time on Grace to the Hearers. 